Welcome back to the show, Garen Emig, Eli Letterman, here to talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys and the week that was uh, all things related to Stillwater. Uh, we want to thank you for watching and certainly thank you for downloading the audio version podcast-wise. That's something available via Google, Apple, and Spotify. Appreciate it sincerely, your uh, your uh, attention and your uh, your continued patronage. All right, Eli, um, you had an interesting basketball week in that uh, you made the trip to the Allen Fieldhouse for a Monday night game between the Cowboys and the uh, the Jayhawks. Um, the, the product on the floor is more of the same, right? It's win one, lose one. It's been the pattern, I think, pretty much throughout February for, for Boynton's team. Uh, you get the feeling they're just trying to reach a finish line now with, with five games left. Uh, some of the stuff maybe that had less to do with the game itself, I thought was was more interesting, including uh, a takeaway story that you brought back about the Thompsons and the adjustment Bryce yeah. has made from Kansas, the one year he was there with KU, to Oklahoma State. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it was so, I mean, it's my first trip to Allen Fieldhouse, so I was just taking in all the sites, but uh, I'd been in touch with, with Rod Thompson, Bryce's dad, all day. Uh, just on on kind of Bryce's return and all that. And when when the Thompsons rolled in, they walked right in and they were sitting just behind the Oklahoma State bench. I spent a little time with them pregame, watched Bryce go through his warm-ups. He was watching them as Bryce got booed during pregame introductions. Uh, he's at the foul line and the fans are chanting traitor at Bryce Thompson. And uh, so I sort of got to see that night a little bit through the lens of the Thompsons. And and it was uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, Bryce was there for a year. It was a COVID year, so I don't think they'd even never seen an Allen Fieldhouse as packed as it was the other night, just because that wasn't a reality in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it was less about Bryce's return and hostility or how he performed. He had an all right night, 11 points. Cowboys were, were pretty much out of it pretty early in the second half. But what stood out to me were, were the relationships that are still there for the family. Um, there were... They were interacting with parents of former players before the game, Oshai Baji's parents. I, I met them, um, exchanging hugs and all that. And, and even Rod Thompson speaking about Bill Self, because that's, that's part of the reason Bryce, I think, you know, was there in the first place at Kansas was the relationship between Rod and, and Bill Self that dates back all the way to, to Tulsa and ORU. And, um, you know, that doesn't appear to have been strained in any way. So it was, a, it was an interesting lens to kind of see Bryce's return through um, with the Thompsons there the other night. You got to this story in time to, to catch the back end of it in that you didn't you weren't here riding for the world when Bryce was at Kansas as a freshman. You picked him up uh, after he'd made the decision to, to move to Stillwater. And you only know him in just in terms of your beat work as, as a cowboy. Um, I, I'm so this, I, I, I say this to preface a question that may be a little unfair to ask, but I think you could at least lend perspective to how you think, just in terms of this season, how you think it has uh, delivered on any expectations. I mean, the idea was they wanted Bryce, I think, not just to, to be more of a, of a focal point in, in what was going on on the court to, to match his talents, but that he, that he also needed a, a comfortable, fresh start. And I use the word comfortable because it never seemed like he was real comfortable in a, in a Kansas uniform for whatever reason. Do you think, it, and OSU season has been frustrating, obviously, but just in terms of Bryce Thompson, do you think that, that, that the Cowboys have delivered on what the hope would be for the kid in terms of a comfort and, and that fresh start? Yeah, I think on the whole, the foundation's been set. Maybe it hasn't been as seamless or easy as some people might have guessed. Maybe it was never going to be that way. You've got to factor in the post-Cade Cunningham year and kind of 
what we've seen from this team accepting the NCAA ban, and then you take that into account as well. It's, it's been a probably about as tough a year to come into this program as possible, right? Uh, especially at that guard position when you've just got so much that, that really hasn't gotten figured out. When you have all that talent, Avery Anderson, Bryce Williams, Isaac Likely, but you've got five games left on the schedule uh, ahead of tomorrow's game against Kansas State, and I still don't think they've quite figured things out. But I, I think you've seen the flashes from Bryce Thompson um, as far as what he can really offer as that focal point, especially in Big 12 play against good competition. And you've seen him come along on the defensive end. And, and speaking to him yesterday, he was one of the guys we spoke to at the availability before Kansas State. And he was speaking about, you know, finally feeling settled. He was asked about leadership because Mike Boynton has identified him as a guy who maybe has that Cade Cunningham-like leadership that not only does he work hard and is in the gym three times a day, but maybe eventually he'll be the guy who can pull four more guys with him to do that. And Bryce was asked about that. And he said, you know, it, it takes you a little while. You're settling into a program. You don't just step into a room and start, you know, pulling people in and things like that. So I think he's getting there. And, um, you know, maybe the expectation when he was a McDonald's All-American or in year one at Kansas was he might not play three, four years of college basketball. But I really do think that if he's here next year and the year after that, that you'll be looking at, at a pretty polished, finished product that can be what a lot of people expected when, when he left high school and, and uh, when he came to OSU this spring. This past I, spring. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't. I'm not saying that he, the Thompson family should, should plan on locking Bryce into four years. I, I'm not about to make that call. They know what's best ultimately for him, and we we're, that would project too far into what might happen next season. I will say this. Uh, I, I, I've always had a sense that uh, they're on – that Rod and, uh, and, and the crew around Bryce um, – really want to you know seize on moments quickly and I and I get it that's what happens when you're when your kid's a, a you know high school all-american comes from a traditional high school powerhouse uh has um starry-eyed expectations that they didn't self-create Bryce's ability did right I mean that, that's that's he earned those expectations as a player and yet and yet you don't want to get ahead of the game too much that you, you know what I mean? That you don't, you don't want to hold on to what well, we only, this was meant just, if it was one and done a year ago, I don't want it to all of a sudden be, well, what, what, this was never the plan to be here being college four years. If, if he can, if he can stay and develop and progress, you look at, you mentioned Abaji just now uh, at Kansas. Yeah. Abaji wasn't nearly as highly coveted coming out of school, out of high school as Thompson was. So that's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison. But look what four years of college and development does for a player like him. I, I just hope the Thompsons aren't putting up barriers to that even prospect uh, halfway through this kid's career. I think that's, the, that's where I'm landing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's some feelings still at Kansas that he should have stayed and that, I mean, you watch them the other night and it's hard to see where Bryce Thompson would have factored in in a big way to that mm -hmm. team, just the depth they have. But I think there's a feeling there that if he'd hung around, they liked it they felt like he had a fit there and that there'd be a role and maybe it wouldn't be a, after one season that he'd find that, but it would have come. Um, and so they made a move. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of the transfer portal, portal nowadays is when you're not thrilled, you can make that move. And, and I think now it's, yeah, I, I really do believe that you're three or four for Bryce Thompson. He could be a really, really incredible college basketball player. He has all those tools. The defense is coming. Um, and, and so it, it's all there, but you know, there's, he's not the only guy on this team yeah. that you might wonder about um, about their future beyond these next five games. Yeah, I don't question at all the decision to transfer to SU. I, I think I, I think I even wrote the column that that's 
that's where I'd go. I think yeah. I, I think uh, when when it when it hadn't been made official, I, it just made sense for a lot of reasons. Uh, so don't fault the transfer. I just don't. I, I just hope the Thompsons aren't still on the, the fastest track, right? Whether that's in Lawrence Stillwater or, or, or wherever, uh, because I, I think he's the kind of he looks to me like the kind of player that could really settle into us to the to the star we we think he he has in him if he just gives the college experience a, a good long try. Um, so you you met the Thompsons away from the actual game, uh, and then afterwards you were there with Mike Boynton when he addressed the loss. And again with Mike, a lot of times what he says is just as interesting yeah. as as his as his coaching and how the game that his team plays uh, turns out. And again, he said some noteworthy things. The thing that caught my attention, Eli, was uh, his description of of the atmosphere at Allen, in that uh, fans show up to watch their team play. It's not it's not because of who they're playing against. And that's not a dig, right? I don't think at the OSU base for not coming unless it's a big deal, but it does. I think it does define the difference between uh, a, a program that takes its basketball seriously, like they do in Stillwater and one of the two or three basketball programs that take basketball the most seriously. That that's, that's how I read that, that remark. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. You put it well, it wasn't necessarily a dig. It was, I mean, we are at, we're at Kansas and there's, I mean, five programs in the country like it, five, three, seven, whatever it is. Um, and, and he referred in the Big 12 to Kansas as the standard bearer. Um, and that's the case in a lot of ways, but certainly you go in into that arena and it's a Monday night and it's Oklahoma State, which is on paper, not an especially massive game and the place is packed. And, and it's a, you can understand why when a recruit walks in there, uh, I, I felt it. I was like, yeah, no, I, I might have committed here too because it, it, it has that. And, and that's, you know, one of the things I think the program still has to work on here is, is getting Gallagher have a full um, or, or build and creating that atmosphere on a consistent basis. You feel what it can be. I mean, Bedlam a couple weeks ago was packed and it was a great crowd and, and a great game came from it. Um, but certainly a different feel. And that was one of the interesting things Mike Boynton had to say afterward was, was speaking about the atmosphere there at Allen Fieldhouse. It always brings me back to the comment he made, uh, and again, this predates you, uh, a couple of years ago when there wasn't even half, was seat, not even half the seats in Gallagher-Iver were folding, walked into a post-game press conference and, and said, that's okay, one day soon this place will be packed. It was sort of a, a you know, a wishful thinking man, man with a plan and a vision saying that we'll get it done. Uh, and, and the reason I thought about that after Monday night's comment was that, well, here's here's a, a year where that's not happening because of something that in part happened before the season even began. I think that that, that uh, what what blanketed OSU's trajectory, the, the tournament appeal, a tournament ban appeal being upheld, um, but also um, the uh, the unfairness of, of an opportunity for, for a base to get behind the program because of a transcendent player. That was robbed a year ago when Cade Cunningham played the COVID season in Stillwater. And I always think about, I, I remember writing about that just in the present because of how miserable the COVID experience was for so many different reasons. But even now I look back on, on last year and having a player of, of Cunningham's caliber and not having fans latch onto it and sort of get pointing closer to that vision. And it makes me sort of sad all over again. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned what Boynton had to say in that press conference. It'll come. 
in his defense, you know, one year he brings in the future number one overall pick and it happens to be a COVID year. And this year, you know, I, I do think this team had flaws that, that we weren't able to forecast before the season, but there's no doubt that, that the postseason ban cast a pall on this season and, and it's had an impact on the team itself and, and the product. So that's two years where I really think he would have had teams that might have brought people here. And uh, for, for two different reasons, there have been those proverbial wet blankets. Uh, and so he's probably going to look to next year. And, and I think that's one of the questions looking at the offseason with five games left is what this team is going to look like. Um, even Isaac Likely, who I, I still lean toward him being done, but he's got an extra year. And that the, the decision there has gone from no way I'm coming back to leaving the door open as recently as last week. Um, but looking at what this team will look like, uh, you're assuming Bryce Thompson's back. You're assuming Musa Cisse's back. But, I mean, he, he may be the, the most pro-ready or guy, most coveted guy on this roster to another college program. Um, so it'll be what building toward next year can look like for, for Mike Boynton. And, and, again, putting out a product that people are going to come out to Gallagher-Iba to see because I think, you know, he's deserving of that. I think this program is. But um, for one reason or another, it hasn't quite happened yet. And, and a night at Allen Fieldhouse shows you just how far they've got to come. Did I see this? Was it this week where um, one of the bracketologists, and it might have been Joe Lenardi over yeah. at ESPN, did, did they did they have OSU as a bubble? Had they been eligible? Did they did they put OSU on a on a in a bubble scenario? Did I see that? Yeah, that was pre-Kansas. So that was Monday. Okay, uh, Monday during the day, and it's interesting. Mike Boynton yesterday was like he said, "I'm still a bracketologist myself." <laughs> as a guy, even though they're not, you know, right. he's, he's really into that stuff. And he showed it to his guys uh, after the Kansas game. I think just as a way of showing them that, look, for all the negative this season, and there's been a lot, um, that they're still good. They've still got some national respect. Um, another thing you pointed out was he got a call from a coach um, from at another school at a conference about playing a, a non-conference game sometime in these next few weeks. And he feels like that's a testament just to the, the quality of this team that a, a tournament contending team would want to play them with an open date. Uh, it wouldn't say who, but, but those two things, I think he wanted to remind this group that for all of the negativity that's swirled around it, that they've done good things. He pointed out that, you know, no matter what and how this ends, no one else to this point is going to be able to say that they beat no other Oklahoma state team has beaten a number one team on the road. They did that. They beat a pretty talented Texas team that I think we'll be watching in March and, so they've done things, and I think that was his point as they go into these final five games was that he's pretty proud of where they are. And he said he's, he's really enjoyed coaching this group despite all the challenges. And, uh, and, and But, yeah, it was interesting that they opened the week. And now they're below 500 and five games to play and a tough five-game stretch to finish. But um, I think they would probably be, without the postseason ban, right in the pack with Oklahoma, Iowa State, and, and Kansas State, who they play tomorrow, chasing – a spot in the tournament. It's a real shame that they're not going to get that chance to go to Kansas City with, with hopes of playing later in March. I assume the pattern will hold this weekend. That uh, They lost in Lawrence. So I assume they'll beat K-State tomorrow and then lose on Monday at home to Baylor. Although you, you referenced the beating the number one team, that was Baylor in Waco. Still one of the more uh, surprising results, I think, anywhere uh, since conference play began in college basketball. So we'll see. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice if they broke through and, and actually won two in a row and uh, and put more of a feel good, mm. I guess tone right to the uh, to this season as as it winds down, we'll see what happens. Baseball is happening. Is that is. right? Do I have that right? Yeah, that it is. I keep seeing opening day in college baseball, so I guess the Cowboys are involved somewhere. 
Well, I mean, it's, I think people are really relishing this opening day because we don't know when we're going to get a major league baseball opening day at That's all. That's right. Uh, but the Cowboys, it's Friday morning right now as we speak, and they kick off later today at Vanderbilt. Um, big opening series. It's kind of like, I mean, they've got these hefty expectations. Where else to start other than at Vanderbilt? Um, and so Justin Campbell goes tonight, and uh, Victor Medeiros, the Miami transfer, who I wrote about uh, in today's Tulsa World, goes tomorrow. Uh, and, and I think this is a pretty good measuring stick. I mean, both Diamond Sports teams, baseball and softball, have come in with massive expectations. Uh, and, and I think for the baseball team to get, get a start at Vanderbilt as a litmus test and, and just see where you're at is, is a pretty interesting place to start. Yeah, softball's playing as we speak. They are. You got, got, up, and, got up and made breakfast in time to watch the Cowgirls. And where are they, in Florida? They're in Florida as we speak. I'll give you the play-by-play, -play, bottom four. <laughs> We're up four nothing on Michigan. Two outs, one one count. I uh, can't quite tell who's at bat, but uh, right, single up the middle. You're, so, you're after you're after Dave Hunziker's job, is what it sounds like. <laughs> like listen to you go all Hunziker on us. He's got to watch out. He's got to watch out. We're playing Michigan. Back. Well, that's it. Michigan's usually the class of the Big Ten, so that's that's not a bad non-conference notch. You know, OSU's belt if if they're able to to win that one. Um, they did. Pretty well, right? Last week, I think they, they they dropped one game in their opening weekend. That so sounds right. Thing. They've got so they're of the five games this weekend. They've got three ranked opponents, mm -hmm. uh, but they went four and one last weekend. Lost one game to a ranked Duke team, and the tone coming back, you would have thought they went one and four. Uh, Kenny Gajewski was, I think, it, true. I would say like really disappointed in himself. If you remember before they went out to Arizona, I mean, it was best team we've assembled in my seven years here, it was the expectations we're going to be in that final college world series game. This is the year, all of that players echoed it. And despite a four and one start, I mean, there were, there were some kinks out there in Arizona. They didn't hit very well in the loss to Duke. I think they went three for 24 at the plate and the tone coming back, you know, from him was, I made a mistake, not kind of tamping down the expectations and reminding this group that we haven't done anything yet. Um, they've got all these preseason rankings and accolades, but, um, as he put it, we're, we're not the chasers. We, there's nothing for anyone, or excuse me, we're not the chase. There's nothing that we have that anybody wants, that Oklahoma State is still chasing um, the big dogs in front of it. And so this weekend, they've got a chance to chase. I mean, they've got ranked opponents, one of them, number five, Washington. Uh, so I, it was a little bit of a kind of a tone reset, and the players yeah. acted it too, because they were disappointed, and I'm sure they heard it if Kenny Gajewski was disappointed. Uh, but an interesting tone coming off that as they head to Florida. Well, if you've immersed yourself in Allen Fieldhouse, which you have to do if you're going to write sports in this part of the country, you're about to immerse yourself in another cultural tradition, athletic and cultural, and that's Bedlam Wrestling. Yes. So how? So are you are you, are you of the right mind? Are you going to get up and, and you know, like chug bra eggs and run six miles and try to cut weight or something like that? Yeah, I'm going to sleep in a foil suit uh, tomorrow night, <laughs> and uh, I got to cut – it. I, during my travels, we did pretty well. We got some barbecue. I had Brahms for the first time, so I've got some weight to cut down to get into my weight class. But you, I, wait, what did you just say? You had what for the first time? I enjoyed Brahms for the first time in Blackwell, Oklahoma. With, you uh, had not had Brahms? I had had the ice cream, uh, courtesy of a gift card, a little gift certificate from the Tulsa World when I was an intern, but this was my first time dining at Brahms. And it I was see. A delightful experience. I think I'll endear myself. Brahms over Waterburger, ten times out of ten. I, I'm with you. Um, yeah. 
My kids have the Whataburger glow still from uh, when they went there a thousand times at, uh, in growing up in Norman. I, I never caught it. I tried it. Just never, never set in. That doesn't, doesn't do it for me like Brahms did. But that said, between that and a little week of vacation, I've got some weight to cut to, to qualify <laughs> for my weight class. Uh, yeah, I, you know, spoke to John Smith the other day, and they're in an interesting place, a spot that Oklahoma State wrestling isn't in often. They dropped four of their last five duels. Uh, a lot, much of that without A.J. Ferrari, who John Smith announced this week is, is done for the season. He just said there was no way um, he was going to be able to make it back following the, the car crash uh, in, in late January. And so they come in. It's the final weekend of the season. They bucknell tonight and then Oklahoma on Sunday. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a big one for the Cowboys, obviously. They take away the rivalry because they've got to get things right before they head to Tulsa for – for the Big 12 championships and, and another little wrinkle here and John Smith didn't seem too worried about it um, but if you recall the last time they met Oklahoma it ended with a handshake line that resulted in a little bit of a fight uh, I can't remember the Oklahoma wrestler but it was AJ Ferrari and some words exchanged and a little bit of a tussle and so John Smith was asked will there be a handshake line and he said he said he was going to defer to Oklahoma's coach and, and see where where right. they feel uh, on Sunday, but he, he's not too worried there. And he, he doesn't seem all too worried about his guys, but certainly this week was about injecting some intensity after um, some, some disappointing performances. Mm. It's been a challenging year for John. I would keep talking about how it's been that way for Mike Boynton, but when you consider the unusual setbacks on the Matt Ferrari situation, um, I think the fact that the fan base is, is, is a little starved uh, for yeah for, you know, return to glory, for lack of a better term. And uh, that that was hanging over John even before all this, you know, went down this year. So, yeah, the Big 12 meets coming up sooner than we think, I guess. That will be, that will be in our neighborhood. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, you say that, and I think last weekend uh, they were at Globe Life Field uh, in Arlington with yeah. play wrestling Iowa. And if, when I think people, when they take that kind of bird's eye view of the program and maybe who they've been passed up by, they looked to Penn State. They looked to Iowa. And I think last weekend was another example of that. In a really packed house, it seemed like quite an event. You had all the uh, – it, it was a who's who. You had Mike Gundy there. You had Casey Shrum, uh, Chad Weiberg, and uh, a, a disappointing performance against kind of one of those blue bloods in wrestling that Oklahoma State is stands among, but right now maybe a step behind. You threw Gundy into the conversation. We It, it feels like we're – committing some kind of a, of a crime, not mentioning football on this thing. Something we've always, we've, this is the first time we've ever not led with football. We didn't even mention it. Is there, did we, did we leave a, leave something out? It's not a, t it's the rare week, maybe the first week since I've gotten here that there has not been some football news in, in one way, shape or form. Okay. I, I can say, I can report this, this real hard fact with absolute certainty that it sounds like the week after spring break, which will be like mid-March, they plan to kick off spring camp. So they may be behind some other schools, but that's about the only information we have there. And I mentioned to you, this to you before that an interesting tidbit yesterday is that uh, Oklahoma State has, has joined kind of this licensing group that's going to be uh, able to sell player jerseys, customizable, customizable player jerseys. So you can get a Spencer Sanders on your back, you can get a Brandon Presley on your back uh, at the team store with the players compensated um, for those sales in some way. And, and that's, you know, I, we don't know what that looks like completely um, and how it relates in this whole new sphere of NIL, but you put your thumb up and it's a good thing because I can promise you right now, before this was in effect, you can go into the team store. It's probably a number three Jersey and maybe an 80 Jersey with no name on it. 
Um, but those numbers are there for a reason. So that's, that's a positive. And I think another kind of space to watch in this whole NIL player compensation thing as, as how players deal with it. Well, that's the more, I mean, you bring this up. That's the, and, and that's the, that's where we thought this was, I think, headed when the legislation uh, finally got knocked through was things like that, where you were literally wearing the kid's jersey. Yeah. And you were in the school was working around the, the direct identification or not in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the fan was stitching the name on in case anyone had any doubts that that was, oh, that's, I wonder what number three he's wearing to the uh, OSU football. <laughs> so exactly. th- anyway, get, getting that, you know, getting that revenue to the, to the actual player was the whole idea. The stuff that's, that's blown, of course, it's just blown sky high is the, 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 the collectives, right. And the, the, the donor groups that are being amassed to try to uh, set new bars as to what, uh, what the, the, the high school players and, and even current players on campus, college campus can make, right. What was it? The, uh, the uh, David oven, Guy, you might, I, yeah. old, old friend on the OUB who's now at the Athletic and writing some really great work for them uh, with his uh, his look inside what they're doing specifically at Tennessee, right? Donors, boosters, fans sort of taking control of name, image, and likeness, I think is what's happening here. Maybe everyone should have seen it coming. Your example with, with what's going on at OSU regarding jerseys slash memorabilia, I think what everyone maybe had in mind. And. I'll put one word to it, harmless. Right, um, right. all about the, the big schools and what they might be doing and A&M or Texas, but stuff like this, man, yeah. that, it, it is disappointing it's taken this long because I think there's a lot of guys right. who could have made some money off of And I don't know how much. We don't know how much they'll make. And one interesting note is it players do have to opt into this, and I don't know um, what they would gain by not doing it. But that's an interesting component here. If, if, if something like this impacts other NIL deals a player could have or, or, or what else, right? It's, it kind of just falls into this another interesting pathway in the whole NIL player compensation field. Also should put an end to the silliness about, well, you can, he, can, God, he can make money off NIL, but it better not be like a logo from the university, right? Which is one of the most hypocritical offshoots of, of the original intent. I mean, all these... There might should probably be some guardrails. We know that based on what's what's happening with regard to, you know, free agency basically. But that was one of the more, you know, useless uh, all along. And and hopefully that uh, that day came and and has now gone forever. And folks realize what how silly it was to to restrict to restrict nil compensation that way just because uh, there's a OSU logo or Pistol Pete shows up on a jersey. So anyway, end of sermon. End of sermon. Well, enjoy Bedlam and the hoops and. Uh, Whatever else you do with your weekend, Eli. It's good nice to see you again. weekend up here in Stillwater, uh, sports-wise, so it'll be exciting. We'll talk to everyone next week. Again, we've got weekly podcasts slash videos uh, on the OSU, OU, TU, and high school beats for your continued consumption. You guys stay warm, take care, and we'll talk to you next week.